guys. Hey, if uh, you have a Bible, will you go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians 8. We're going to read in verses 8 and 9 today. Um, it'll also be in your bulletin uh, for those of you who don't have a Bible with you. Hey, um, so Rick's down in Florida, and I just, you know, sometimes you just got to state the obvious. It may feel a little weird, right? This, this first Sunday where, like, Rick hasn't been a part of this, like, it, it could feel a little weird. Um, and it's going to be different. It's going to be different heading into the next uh, several months, and that's, that's a good thing. Um, but I just wanted to tell you, Holy Cross, um, you loved Rick well. Thank you for that. You loved him well. You sent him off well. And I don't know. I'm proud of you as a church for that. So thank you. Um, and now over the next uh, several months and weeks, I mean, I'm preaching through Advent, but Pastor Brian will be up here uh, starting in January, uh, second week in January. And it's, it's going to be strange. It's, it's going to feel a little different. And I think we just give each other grace for that. Um, and we can look forward as well, right? Like to, to a large degree, we've kind of spent two months in mourning. And you may still be there. That's okay. It's okay. But we can look forward with anticipation and joy for what God is going to do. Because he loves this church. He loves y'all. You know what he loves most? He loves Jesus and his glory. And that happens here at Holy Cross. The Holy Spirit is going to make Jesus famous, as he has been. So we can look forward to that. Uh, we can look forward to the servant that God's going to bring to minister full-time here uh, as the lead pastor. Right? Uh, which, it, it kind of fits our Advent season, doesn't it? This whole like yearning and longing and waiting. So it's, it's kind of fitting that now we move into Advent as we, as we await what God is going to bring us in another pastor. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be a savior. Okay? God did that. He brought Jesus. But we can look forward with anticipation. Maybe, maybe this Advent season will feel a little bit more, um, more poignant for that. Okay? All right. Hey, uh, if you're able and willing, will you please stand as we turn to the passage that we were going to use today to uh, hear from the Lord? 2 Corinthians 8, starting in verse 8, and we'll mostly be focusing on verse 9 here. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. This is the true word of the living God gives it to you because he loves you. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I ask now that you would move. Um, we, we are sitting here to see you. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that that would happen. I pray that you would come and you would touch our hearts, that you would open the eyes of our hearts so that we can see our Savior Jesus, whether it's for the first time or for the thousandth time, we need him. So would you move so that our hearts might beat stronger for Jesus and yearn more for him. Your servants are listening, Lord. Would you speak? I pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus, and for his glory. Amen. You may be seated. All right, hey, uh, 
if, if you're looking at the sermon title, yes, it is uh, inspired by the song that, that uh, Rob and Kylie sang for us, Thou Who Wast Rich. And so a couple months ago, or actually way back in the summer, as we were planning out Advent, uh, Rick and I decided we were going to go through this series because we wanted to mesh the series with what's going on in Holy Cross Kids. Rick's gone. We're going to keep doing the series. Okay? Um, Here's why. Here's why we're doing this particular series based off of this song and different texts throughout Scripture. It is easy in the season of Amazon and Walmart working real hard to make you think Christmas is all about buying stuff for other people. It's really easy in the season where your social calendar gets maxed out and all of us introverts are like, to start forgetting what Advent's all about. To lose the wonder of what it meant for Jesus to become man. For the second person of the Trinity to humble himself and become a man, a little baby in a manger. So that's what this series is about. To to fix our eyes on Jesus, to wonder at him. To be amazed about the things that, that he gave up out of love for us. So that's what we're going to do, uh, and we're kicking this off with the first verse of the song, Thou Who Wast Rich Beyond All Splendor. I'll put the uh, first lyric up there for you. Um, so over the, over the course of the next few minutes, we're going to work through three points, and they're just essentially parts of the, the uh, verse here. Beyond all splendor, it's what Jesus had, became as poor, what Jesus chose instead. And then all for love's sake. Why did Jesus do it? Okay. All right. So let's, uh, let's look at beyond all splendor. When they're talking about, hey, uh, yeah, thank you, Spencer. So when they're talking about thou who is rich beyond all splendor, all, uh, thrones for a manger, dissurrender, sapphire paved courts. You realize, like, when we're talking about riches, like, we, 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 when we talk about what Jesus gave up, we struggle to communicate what does that look like, right? So these are metaphors. Metaphors, they're word pictures to help us capture what it would look like for God to set aside his privileges to become one of us, okay? Um, Because again, riches, there's a big difference between riches and actually being wealthy, right? You can have all the money in the world and be a very poor person. There's a difference between having uh, material stuff, every need met, right, and actually being contented. Because what we want in the pursuit of riches and the pursuit of uh, money and all that sort of stuff is not money itself. You don't feel good because you've got a bunch of numbers in your bank account. You want what that offers you, the promise of what that money gives you, right? So there are three things, and uh, these three things we're going to weave through the whole sermon. Three things that we really want, and you'll notice them from Rick's categories. He's preached on this stuff before. We want status, right? We want to feel important. We want to feel like you matter. That, that maybe there's nothing wrong with us. Maybe we genuinely are okay. So we want status. We want security. We want the power and freedom to do whatever we want. We uh, want to feel invulnerable. Nothing can hurt us. 
So we want status, we want security, we want satisfaction, we want contentment. Every want, desire met to never have to suffer. Doesn't that sound nice? That's what riches offer. And so let's, uh, let's look into the son's riches then. And we're gonna talk about the son. Okay, uh, if you're not familiar with the faith or with Christianity, uh, we believe in a triune God, Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? They're all, three, they're three persons, all one God. If that sounds crazy and confusing to you, it should. It shouldn't fit in your brain. We're talking about God, okay? And it's also one of the most beautiful things about being a Christian. Uh, so if you're confused about that, I'm like, hey, this is one reason I would discredit Christianity. Uh, come talk to us. Like, I'd love to walk you through what that looks like. But for now, the Trinity. We're talking about, like, we'll be discussing the Father and the Spirit, but primarily the Son. The Son is who Jesus was before he became an incarnate man walking on earth, okay? So we're going to talk about the Son and what riches he had. So let's think about his status. The Son. He's God. You don't get any bigger of a status than that, right? He mattered supremely. Everything in the world revolved around him. It's also holy. And holiness, yes, it, it means distinct. It means set apart. It means he, he is distinct from all created things, right? And by extension, because our experience is broken and sinful and marred, holiness also means pure, free from imperfection or stain. So he's God and he's holy. Hey, can you picture what that would be like? To never doubt for a second that you matter. To know to you, your core, you've got nothing to hide. Nothing to be ashamed of. To know you're clean. The son had that. All right, so that was the son's status. What about security? Hey, you don't get much more secure than being God, the all-powerful one in control of everything, invulnerable entirely. But Jesus didn't, he wasn't, the son wasn't just invulnerable, he was beloved. He's the second person of the training, and we're gonna talk more about this uh, next week, actually. God, in his three persons, perfectly loving himself, and all the three persons there. Because what, most of us want what would actually make us feel secure. You know, it's, it's not that you would be untouchable. All kinds of life situations may happen. Um, but what would make you feel really grounded and truly secure is knowing that you're fully known and fully loved, wouldn't it? That would be utter security. The son had that. To know, he knew he was fully known, fully loved, perfect in himself. All right, so that was his status, that's his security. Let's talk about satisfaction. Again, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to work a little bit here because we are such creatures of craving and yearning. It's just part of who we are. It's hard to really imagine what would it be like to be truly satisfied? Can you picture? Imagine what it's like not to just not suffer, but to not be in want for anything. To be perfectly content, totally satisfied, not just in your circumstances, but in who you are. 
would that be like? Kind of nice, eh? The son had that. So those are riches. A status totally unique to himself as holy God. Beloved. It's his security. He's the almighty, invulnerable God, and he's loved. And then um, satisfaction, perfect satisfaction in and of himself. So those are his riches beyond all splendor, things that money itself cannot buy. That's what Jesus had. That's what the son had. And he gave it up. So what did it look like for Jesus to become poor, right? Because Paul says here, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. What does poverty look like? What does it look like for Jesus to become poor? We're going to talk about this in a little bit, but again, let's, let's use the three categories, status, security, and uh, satisfaction to see what Jesus took on instead. So as far as status, he didn't give up being God, Okay. We need to be very clear on that. That's actually a heresy. So Jesus did not empty himself of being God. But he did take on a different foreign status into himself. He became a creature. And becoming human being, Jesus became a created thing. And hey, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about this next week. But I think it's really hard for us to imagine the humility it would take to go from being God, utterly distinct, and, and in and of yourself, like separate from the things that you have made, to become a made thing. And a little baby, to do all the things that little babies do. <laughs> and not just that, he didn't just become a created thing, a creature, he became a sin bearer. He took on all the wrong things that we think and do and the guilt and shame that comes with that. So what has it got to be like? All right, let, let's use our imaginations a little bit. What, is it, what would it be like to go from never knowing any guilt, any shame, to now bearing that? Hey, um, it's hard for us to picture, right? Like you and I, we live, we live our lives just swimming in guilt and shame. It's part of what it means to be a human beings who rebelled against God, broken to our core. It would be really hard to imagine what, the, what life without that would look like. Um, so, so let's try to make, bring it home in this way. Um, think, about, think about that time when you have most felt filthy, worthless or wrong or unclean either because of something done to you or because of something you did, right? Um, and that's a heavy burden. You know what that's like. That is a heavy burden. And what you're feeling there is the weight of sin. And that's just for one thing. Now imagine, imagine what it would be like for the spotless Lamb of God who never knew sin, who never knew shame, who never knew guilt, the crushing load that it would be to take all of that onto himself, to bring it into himself, 
and we begin to get a picture of what it looked like for Jesus to become a sin bearer. Jesus became poor, choosing not just our creatureliness, but also to bear our sin and the guilt and the shame and the uncleanness and the punishment that comes along with that. All right. So that's, that's Jesus' the status he chose. What about security? Okay. Well, as a creature, he became vulnerable, right, to all the things that we creatures, human beings, are, are vulnerable to. Just to try to bring it home, have you ever had the experience of suddenly realizing, oh, shoot, like, I opened myself up in a certain way that now makes me really vulnerable? To feel like somebody could exploit a weakness that you didn't mean to show, and now you feel helpless, right? Oh, that's awful. <laughs> that's awful. I've done that. Uh, and I'm seeing some nods, so there are other people here who have done that. That's, that is not a great feeling to become vulnerable like that. So now imagine the invulnerable God feeling vulnerable. What would that be like? But Jesus gave up far more than being invulnerable. He was beloved, right? And he chose to be forsaken. Hey, we'll talk about this more next week again. Um, but if you've ever had somebody turn their back on you, then you know a little bit of what it cost Jesus, what it was like for him to choose to give up being beloved, to bear our weight, the weight of the betrayal that we had committed against God, knowing that it meant he was going to be forsaken. Jesus bore that. Jesus became poor, choosing not just, choosing the kind of vulnerability that ended up with him hanging on a cross, forsaken by everybody, right? So Jesus chose that status of, of not just being a creature, but being a sin bearer. He chose to give up security, choosing vulnerability that ended up with him on a cross, and now let's think about satisfaction, okay? Now, Jesus lived the kind of, he was the perfect human being. So he lived the, the kind of life we are supposed to have lived before we rebelled, all right? So that meant he is perfectly satisfied in his relationship with God. That's how we were created to be. But by becoming a human being, he also experienced discomfort and dissatisfaction that we experience as human beings, all right? So just think about it with me. Um, to be a human in this world is to go unsatisfied. Wouldn't you say? To be a human in this world is to go unsatisfied. And I mean, that's because we are, as creatures, we are made with needs. And they're very normal needs. And by becoming a human, Jesus chose to take on those needs, right? Like, you gotta eat, you gotta sleep. You gotta have water, you gotta have shelter, you gotta have clothes, you need friendship, all that sort of stuff. Jesus chose that. He chose neediness. But he didn't just choose that. He, he also chose to feel the discomfort that we feel by living in a world that's broken and shattered and no longer able to meet our needs the way it's supposed to. Right? And that means he faced the same temptations that we face. And the same aches that we endure when we're like, this world isn't meeting my needs there's something I need here, 
I'm going to go do something over here that I know is wrong to help meet that need. Jesus felt those same temptations. But it goes beyond that. Jesus didn't just choose to suffer like one of us. He chose to suffer in our place. He chose to suffer things so that you and I would not have to suffer them. Hey, look, a lot of us in this room, we know profound suffering, right? We know, we know what it looks like to hurt. We really do. But praise the Lord, none of us has suffered like Jesus did. Standing between us and the fire of what we deserved for our rebellion against God. Jesus became poor, choosing not just suffering with us, but to suffer for us. He gave up that satisfaction. So here's the question, right? Uh, if the holy God chose to be a sin-bearing creature, if the invulnerable beloved one chose to become vulnerable and forsaken, if, if, if satisfaction himself chose not only to suffer with us but to suffer for us, here's the question, right? Why? Why? It's the Christmas answer. Which brings us to our third point. The, the, the hymn responds, all for love's sake. All for love's sake. Now, if you, if you read what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians, he says, For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. All right. Um, first, disclaimer. This doesn't mean money, right? We've, we've talked this whole sermon about stuff that's not money related. Again, you can have stuff without having satisfaction. You can have material, you can be sitting on a pile of cash uh, and utterly miserable. Also, for those who are out there and would claim that being a Christian means you get everything you want, look, Jesus did not die to get you a fur coat or a Ferrari. He didn't. It went far deeper than that. The sacrifice of, the, the, of God himself so much more than that kind of riches, right? All right, so what did Jesus give us and why do we need it? Well, let's think of it in those categories, right? Status, satisfaction, and security. All right, so let's think a little bit about our status. Hey, we were created to be pure, holy servants of God, to image him in this world, right? the very beginning, that's how we were made. But we broke relationship with God. And instead we became unclean enemies, racked with guilt and with shame and deserving death because we had committed treason, right? And so Jesus became poor, choosing not just our creatureliness, but to bear our sin also. And the guilt and the shame and the punishment we deserve because of that so that we might become rich. What would that look like? To have our status restored, right? 
So we're, we can now, again, once more, be, be pure, be holy. We don't have to feel the sin, the shame, and the guilt that dogs us every day of our lives. One day we'll be totally freed from that. But even now, friends, even now, your guilt is removed. If Jesus has removed it, it is gone. Your shame that walks around with you saying, I am not enough, I'm not enough, I'm not enough, you know what? It's gone in Jesus. We get to live into that inheritance. That is your status. Jesus bought that. No one can deny that to you. Not even your own head, right? So that we might become rich, becoming more than just servants, y'all. Becoming daughters and sons of the living God. Jesus changes our status. He also changes our security, right? So we were created beloved by God. We were secure in the knowledge that he knew us thoroughly and he loved us perfectly, right? And that, with that love, like, we were gonna be taken care of. God would take care of his people. He delights in his own. And we gave that up. We turned our backs on God, right? Doubting his love, doubting his care. Uh, choosing to believe a lie from, of all things, a talking snake, um, that we had to take care of ourselves. Does God, is he really looking out for your best interest here? Does he really love you? And so Jesus became poor, choosing the kind of vulnerability that ended up with him on a cross forsaken by all so that we could have security, right? so that we might become rich, so that we could be wrapped in God's love once again. And uh, to have the assurance that he's not only gonna walk with us faithfully through this upside down world, but he will also one day right the world. So that now, you know, you don't have to play God. You don't have to strive for your own security trying to control everything so that you don't get hurt. Jesus gives you security in God. And hey, let me tell you, um, again, it's hard for us to believe, but there is no greater security than knowing that even death, even the worst possible thing that can happen here on this earth, can't separate you from God. Because he will restore you, as he will restore his as he will restore his world. All right, so he, Jesus, became poor to give us the status, to give us the security, and to give us satisfaction. Okay, uh, yes, we were made for a world that perfectly met and satisfied our needs. We were. Again, it's hard to imagine, but we were made for that. Uh, that's why we have these yearnings and cravings, each, each of us. Anytime we experience brokenness in the world, we're like, it shouldn't be this way. You're right. You're right. Because deep down inside, we know what we were made for. Um, but, not only were we made for a world that perfectly met our needs, we were made for a God who perfectly satisfied us. Right? Perfectly satisfied us. Gives us, gives us that sense of wholeness and well-being. So 
that's what we were made for, to be perfectly content and satisfied in God and this perfect world that he had made. And we chose instead to fill ourselves with forbidden fruit, which then opened up this big cavernous hunger in us that could never be satisfied. What is it that you fill your hunger with? It's the result of being broken. It's the result of our sin and our rebellion against God. So Jesus became poor, choosing not only to suffer for us, or to suffer with us, but to suffer for us, so that we might become rich and be given access again to God and, and, the, and uh, be, to have the opportunity to be, uh, to be satisfied once again with where true satisfaction comes from. And then he promises to remake the world. All right, hey, um, the one who was rich beyond all splendor became poor so that we who were poor could become rich beyond all splendor. We did all this for love's sake. For love's sake. So what do you have to do? Right? That sounds good. Wouldn't you like to have that status? Wouldn't you like to have that security? Wouldn't you like to have uh, that satisfaction? What do you got to do? Sign me up. How do I get this? Well, we're passing an offering plate around a second time. No. <laughs> right? No. That's the whole point. He gives it to you for free. Gives it to you. Gives it to you. Best Christmas present in the world. Gives it to you for free. This is why Paul marvels in here. You know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is that word. Uh, one commentator like, uh, described it this way. He just, he could not stop himself. It's the utterly undeserved, royally free, effective, unwearying, inexhaustible goodwill of God. All right, tell us more. Grace is God freely giving us what we most need and could never earn or deserve. It's what the true God alone does best. He gives this to you. So what do you got to do? What do you got to do? Hey, if, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, um, let me just encourage you, just receive. Just receive. This status, this security, this satisfaction, they're yours if you will just give up trying to earn your own status, security, and satisfaction. Trust that Jesus wants to give them to you. Hey, that's if that's if you're not a Christian. Christian, if you are a Christian, let's stop trying to get our own status, security, and satisfaction. I guarantee you, every single one of our problems uh, that we face is because we're out there scrambling somehow or other to get those three things, looking for them in places that we will never find them. Because you know what? They've been given to you. Sometimes, you ever had that experience where you're like looking around for your glasses? They're right there. Sometimes that's what we need. The Lord's given them to us. It's right there. Stop looking in all the wrong places. So receive, receive what he has given, given freely. Believe that he gives it out of his love for you. And then second, all right, especially if you're like, this is for Christians. Give. 
That's the whole point that Paul is, this is why the Apostle Paul, who's like reflecting on Jesus, and he was, he was an early Christian missionary uh, sent out to tell people about Jesus, uh, he's writing this letter to a church called Corinth, um, and they're a wealthy church, they kind of have it all together, and he's sending this letter because he's trying to raise support for needy Jews in Jerusalem, okay? And this church has a lot of issues with him, and they are perfectly content and satisfied searching for status, security, and everything else anywhere else. And so while Paul is calling them, hey, your Jewish brothers and sisters, they kind of need support. They're starving. They need help. He points them to Jesus. He says, look at him. Look at what he's done, right? This kind of lavish love, being so generously blessed by a good God, it will change you. Because you know why we hold so tightly onto our stuff, onto our time, onto our prerogatives? because we're busy trying to earn that status, security, and satisfaction, right? But when you realize everything you could possibly need has been given to you freely, it opens your hands, makes you free to give. Love inspires love. Generosity inspires generosity. So if you know what it feels like to be loved this way, to, be, to receive this way, how could we not want other people to experience that too? And hey, I get it, right? So shame washed all over us again. I, yeah, you're right. I need to share my faith more. I need to be more interested. Hey, let's not look down here, right? That, that's where we go wrong. Odds are, like, you feel, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I don't love people the way I should. I don't, I don't invite people into this. So, so let me tell you. This Advent season, as we're reflecting on the Savior who came, like that's where your eyes should go. Not down here, not to you, not to your failures, not to the way that you, you're making mistakes and screwing all this up. Look to him. Think about what he gave up and how he chose to become poor. And how he did it out of love for you, right? Look to him and then Go share that with somebody. Out of the abundance of that, as you reflect on him, as you delight in him, go, go tell somebody else about him. You know why? Because I guarantee you it will do good for your faith to talk to somebody who's never heard this sort of stuff before, for you to relive, recount in front of them, hey, you want to know what? You want to know how truly, deeply, fully I've been known and I've been loved. I want you to experience that too, right? So go, go, be generous. As Paul was urging the Corinthians, be generous with the knowledge of Christ. Go introduce someone to him, this God who was rich, who became poor, all for love's sake. Pray with me. Jesus, we can't. We can't do this, not in and of ourselves. Our love for you is so small. Uh, we're overwhelmed by fear. Um, some of us, we live in a Christian bubble, and we don't know people who don't know you. Um, 
And so, Father, the call to, to step into telling other people about you makes us feel exposed and vulnerable. So I thank you that you've granted us security. I thank you that you've given us that status and that satisfaction. And Jesus, I pray that over the next few weeks, out of the abundance of that, as we, as we reflect on what you have done and as we live into what you have given us, that you would empower us to go and tell other people about you so that more people might come to know their Jesus. We ask all this for his glory and the good of Stanton, Augusta County, and the regions beyond. Amen.